Is it true or is it false? I don't know, so let's find out on Urban Myths. Recycling. Recycling. The chasing arrows. <laughs> yes, the chasing arrows, right, the symbol. Yes. So what do you have to say about recycling? It's a lie. It's a myth. What? But I, I put my... I put my my plastics and and my newspapers in the bin and and I and I make sure that I pay attention to what I'm allowed to put in the bin and then the truck comes and takes it away. So, uh most of the recyclable containers uh don't get recycled. Uh even in states like California where there's a a redemption value. Some states don't have a redemption value on the one-time use uh plastic bottles and um so almost none of those are getting recycled. And then even the minority of the used uh, plastic bottles that get quote unquote recycled, they actually get downcycled because they, the, they get uh, crushed up and added to another type of plastic, but it's an inferior product. So can you give me an example of this? So it, because once the plastic crystallizes, those bonds are made and you really can't do anything else with it. And so like they've made park benches out of uh, recycled plastic. And they're like, look, we made these blocks of plastic. But what they did was they made new plastic. They crystallized the, the compounds. It's, it's uh, petrochemical. And then they add in plastic dust from recycled products into it. But it's less sturdy than if they just use all new uh, plastic. And, and it's all bound together with like epoxies and things or, or right or, right or, which or is the, other plastic. plastic yeah it's the newer plastic. plastic right and, and you're talking like what like milk bottles and water bottles drinking water bottles things mm -hmm. like that they end up becoming a park bench they they can or, or are there can you think of anything else where uh, down cycling example well it's kind of mysterious because I've looked into it, it's, it's not really transparent where all the stuff goes. Mm -hmm. And the main value of these plastic bottles is the CRV. So something like a milk bottle doesn't have a redemption value. So it's actually more of a, of a liability than an asset. It's not really something valuable. It's like something you would have to pay uh, a manufacturer to take to include into whatever they're making in, in order for quote unquote recycling to work. So, and, and obviously the consumer, us, mm -hmm. we're not really participating in any of this process. We're just sending our stuff right. somewhere. Right. And you're saying some of it gets downcycled. We're not 100% mm -hmm. sure what those downcycled products are always or how, what mm -hmm. the percentage is. Because they always have to use new plastic anyway. Mm -hmm. And then a lot, of, most of them, they're sent to uh, China or India, and and they're made into something, or they get paid to just dump them somewhere on another even, continent. I've even heard, uh, and and I don't know what part of Asia it could be China that they incinerate as well. Yeah, I mean we don't know what they're doing with it. And um, like uh, my daughter and I, we went to um, a Merck state or a transfer station in Orange that's run by Waste Management, and they gave us a tour, and we saw all the, you know, what we would call recyclables, 
being sorted there. So anything mm-hmm. you put in the recycle bin, uh, they had this this facility and and um, and they had conveyor belts and all these people and these conveyor belts were moving super fast, and there were all these uh, people wearing suits, you know, with gloves on, uh, protective uh, clothing, so they uh, wouldn't you know get contaminated or injure themselves. And all this stuff was flying by on these conveyor belts, and they're trying to sort out like uh, different objects that might not be the same as other things, I guess. You know, sort of filtering out like materials. And so they were sorting out the plastics, they're sorting out the glass, the metal, and everything. But just looking at the overall facility in the grounds, there was bits and pieces of all of those recyclable type materials just floating around little accumulated piles on the ground everywhere like stuff that wasn't getting sent anywhere it was just accumulating on site and then once they sorted things as best as they could which you can imagine you know people just throw haphazardly everything into their bins um it's not we don't sort that much as before it goes out um there i mean they're just making giant piles of this stuff and then with the plastic, they compressed all the plastic items as best as they could into this giant, like like a straw bale, but for plastic, this huge cube. And the guy says, oh, okay, here's a cube. This is going to be sent on a barge uh, overseas to like China or some country in Asia. And we go, oh, okay. And and there they recycle it. And he goes, yeah, they, they, they you know. He didn't really say how, and, and but he made, he made it sound like they somehow were equipped to do it. And then, um, but he said, if there's anything impure about this bale of plastic, like if there's something in there that doesn't, isn't the right, isn't similar to all the other materials in that mix, then they will send it back at, on a barge all the way back to the States. So, so then waste management has to re-go through it and send it back on a barge to Asia again for the for the maybe to be recycled I mean it was just like it blew my mind mm-hmm. and, and how much it, energy is being used to just, ship garbage back and forth across the ocean and he, and he made it sound like they that happens a lot like where they send it back mm-hmm. and, and it, I mean it's crazy on so many different levels from the resources it takes the energy it takes to send it to someplace else the fact that somebody else some other country has to manage our waste for us also was bothersome to me. And, uh, and then knowing how, you know, when they produce this plastic, it's all very careful. And, you know, if it's a packaging or whatever it is, a a toy or something, it's all very careful in how it's manufactured and how it's delivered to you. So it's not broken and everything. But then once we're not using it anymore, it's just so haphazardly thrown together and chopped up and, and dumped in different places and, and then squished. And, and, you know, it's like, how do, we, how do we ever expect to even recycle it if we're not even carefully managing it from the, when, from the point when use is over? That, that, that was just confusing. It's like it's so much harder to even get the good from, from a waste product if, you don't, if it's all just like garbled up. Like that was confusing to me. Right. I think it's again, it, the, the plastic is not some a valuable material. It's more of a liability. Yeah. And so there are a lot of uh, resources 
being invested in creating the illusion of sustainability and the illusion of recycling, but it's really a, a lie, well, an it, urban it, myth. Well, and what do you, like, for me, I feel like a lot of this stuff is just completely unnecessary anyway. Like, why is it even being produced in the first place? What do you, how do you feel? I agree. Um, it's just needs there's we're not paying a consequence for having this one-time use packaging and it makes the products more marketable so uh it's in the short it's for the short-term benefit of uh producers and consumers but once you eat that one meal now there's this material hanging around for millions of years that someone has to worry about right so recycling, it's a lie, it's a myth. It's a lie, and then, uh, I mean, the plastics are like, the, I think the worst and the most complicated and mysterious uh, paper recycling. Like I have the song, uh, Red Plum. I'm burning in hell, the postman is the devil, eternally roaring, hurling new bundles of letters in my hands. Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut A red plum's a tree, they the opposite, they killed them They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut Against the junk mail and, and the deforestation Especially for just to create an annoyance And to grade the value of, of our life um, To do a disservice we're destroying forests it's absurd uh, and then red plum and these other mailers they say oh but our mailers are recycled made out of recycled paper and it's uh, creating jobs and this is something that is really benefiting um, humanity but uh, again untrue untrue what, so how is that process different from the downcycling of plastic or, or is it similar or? it is it is because uh, when you make quote unquote recycled paper, you have to, every time you recycle the paper, every time you uh, mash it up, the paper fibers become shorter. So you have to add new paper fiber. So you have to add new paper to the old paper, and then it's an inferior product. The paper is less strong because the, mm. the fibers are shorter. So the structural stability is compromised. Um, uh, it just as the same as with plastics. Yeah. Right, right. So there is no recycling. Uh, there is a type of downcycling, which uh, is more efficient than not downcycling at all. Right. But it is not, it's not an actual recycling. Recycling would be you make a new piece of paper out of an old piece of paper. You make a new plastic bottle out of an old plastic bottle. But the system is much more wasteful um, than that, even when it's working under ideal conditions, which it's not even close to doing. In, in the paper realm, it's not just wood pulp, isn't it? Aren't there binders and chemicals in that as well? Like to right, so to break down the wood, they have to use a lot of harmful chemicals. And then to uh, bind the paper together, they use a lot of other chemicals. And then the inks and the coloring and everything and so uh, that's another waste stream that is also harmful. Right. Any, so I, and I can imagine there's probably some companies that do a better job of recycling than others. Like they're more concerned about the type of ink and the type of chemical they're using. 
Um, but the bottom line is it's downcycling. It's not recycling. Right. Because you And you always need new products to add to the old in order mm-hmm. to even make it somewhat structurally stable. And the end product is not going to be the same as the original product. It's going to be something lesser or, right. or different. Same, same thing with recycling metals because you always need new alloys to, to make some, something new metal. I so. actually thought my um, uh, uncle, his brother, worked at an aluminum uh, recycling plant or an aluminum plant uh, on the East Coast. And he explained that to me real quickly. He said, oh, yeah, you, all those cans that you send away, you need more alloy and you need uh, a percentage of new aluminum in order to make new cans out of old cans. So it's not, again, it's not like they're just using the old can over again. It required a lot of new material, right? Mm-hmm. And then aluminum cans and tin cans, they're lined with plastic. It's basically polyethylene uh, epoxy coating it. Why are they doing that? To make it uh, waterproof. Wouldn't to make it, it a seal. Oh, to see it like so it doesn't rust. An or any... Oh, and so uh, to give it to make it stronger. Okay. Um, so it, the cans last a lot longer because there's a plastic coating on the inside of them. But now you have an impurity within the metal. You have a right. totally different type of material lining that's not not really. I don't know what's the word. Like it's it's not complementary per se. Right. So they have to they have to separate that out when they recycle the. the it sounds the like a huge headache trying to remove the lining from a soda can, the plastic lining from a soda can to make it a new soda can. I'm not sure how they do it. I think they just heat it up so much it just burns. They're like burning the plastic. I think. Well, and, and then people like us who don't know what to do with all this waste, like we try to reuse. Like, say I try to reuse a plastic bottle or even a can of some mm-hmm. sort. Aren't there risks to that, too? As much as you're... Oh, right, because the plastic uh, starts degrading as soon as it's um, formed. Right. And then especially as, uh, with heat, um, it, it accelerates the degradation of the, of the material. If you uh, keep drinking or eating out of a can, the the plastic lining is going to leach into your food you're going to be eating the plastic well and, and like soda isn't it's a, by its own nature something that's going to corrode so wouldn't soda in a can i don't know maybe they've yeah it's, the it's acidic yeah no it's you're when you drink something out of a plastic bottle you're drinking plastic you're yeah. eating you're ingesting all that all those microplastics which is basically oil petrochem uh, or uh, petroleum Right, coming out of the ground. Right, so it's been... polyethylene, which is a chemical bond. It's a petrochemical material, so it came from oil. Right. So we're drinking oil. Yep. Well, I, I hope we helped everybody understand. <laughs> <laughs> hope you're hopefully you're not devastated by that mm-hmm. when you look at uh, all of the plastic in your house. Um, so <laughs> moving on. Thank you for that one, Scott. Uh, it's trail mix time. Hey, what's in your trail mix? So uh, 
wrapper, it, it's, it's amazing how much processed food and plastic waste I find along the trail. And, and Scott, well, actually tell us, Scott, tell us what this is first and then, and then read the ingredients. Announcing the Atkins Cookies and Cream Bar, naturally and artificially flavored. <laughs> wow, that sounds so appealing. You know, I just happen to be on the Atkins diet right now, so this is perfect for me, right? Product of Canada. <laughs> okay. Keep going. I want to hear what this okay. is. Okay, ingredients. Vanilla cream flavored layer. Um, let me get the lighting here. Uh, maltitol, polydextrose, palm kernel, and palm oil, soybean oil, non-fat dry milk, titanium dioxide color, natural and artificial flavors, soy lecithin, salt, sucralose, cocoa soy nuggets, soy protein isolate, cocoa powder processed with alkali, tapioca starch, chocolate flavored coating, polydextrose palm kernel, and uh, palm kernel and palm oil, whey protein isolate, cocoa powder, artificial flavor, soy lecithin, sucralose, glycerin, inulin, hydrolyzed gelatin, maltitol syrup, maltitol, unsweetened chocolate processed with alkali, sunflower oil, contains less than 2% of palm kernel and palm oil, polydextrose cocoa powder processed with alkali, soluble corn fiber, water, vitamin mineral mix, whey protein isolate, cocoa butter, salt, natural and artificial flavors, non-fat dry milk, soy lecithin sucralose, salted butter, cream, salt, asulfame potassium, magnesium oxide, sodium ascorbate, ascorbic acid, DL-alpha-tocopheryl acetate, niacinamide, zinc oxide, decalcium pantothenate, vitamin A palmitate, thiamine mononitrate, pyridoxine hydrochloride, riboflavin, folic acid, uh, bi biotin, phyloquinone, cyanocobalamine. For a second, I thought this was never going to end. That's <laughs> like the most. In there's way too many ingredients. I haven't. I didn't count. Did anybody? I, like we you should. should you should counted. speed speed up this for the podcast so it doesn't take half the podcast listing the ingredients <laughs> two hours later to a cold for all ascorbic acid the, what, what's funny too is like i have no idea how to pronounce any of these weird words hmm. like those multi-syllabic ingredients things so I, I like i really want to hear your take on this what, what do you think about this would you consume this uh if i was starving um i would but uh, and that was the only choice available, right? Yeah, um, but it se it seems pretty dangerous. Um. <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> Operative word, dangerous. So why do you perceive this food, if you can call it a food, to be dangerous? 
uh, it's a highly processed food. Um, and uh, was there a particular ingredient or, or ingredients that were red flags for you? I mean, assuming that they're being honest about the ingredients, uh, which is a concern I have because the Atkins Trail Mix company, I don't know who they are. Like, they're making a profit by any means necessary. You said it's, oh, it's product of Canada. Um, it says their corporate office is in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of the Atkins company before. I guess, I guess not because I'm not on that diet or whatever. But most of the food that we consume as a society is owned by just a handful of companies. And uh, I mean, industrial agriculture is one of the most destructive things you can do to an ecosystem. And uh, they don't care about us. They're gonna put whatever they can get away with putting in the product to, to make their profit. And, um, this, and then this is a health food, quote unquote, or like a diet. And so I'm always very skeptical of, of health claims on, on foods, especially processed foods. Well, and, and the, I don't know. I'm looking at the picture of this health food. I mean, can you describe what you're looking at? It looks like a chocolate cookie with a vanilla layer inside, <laughs> like a marshmallow layer. Which sounds like a description of like a dessert, something that common knowledge would be, oh, you don't, you're not supposed to eat dessert regularly right because it's yeah but you can eat dessert but still be on your diet i guess and get your protein and i like isn't that i could be wrong um i haven't researched atkins in advance but isn't it the one where you're supposed to just like eat eat more meat and less carbs right more protein less carbs okay just more protein doesn't necessarily have to be meat all right well one of the ingredients that i thought was just I mean, there's a lot of ingredients that I don't even know what they are. Yeah, so that's suspicious. Um, mm -hmm. But um, there's like, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's like 10 lines of ingredients on this. It's like an essay just for the ingredients. But um, there was something. Oh, it just says vaguely nat natural and artificial flavors. That could be anything. They don't. Yeah. What? And, and there was like titanium and some sort of food coloring down yeah there. <laughs> I, I i have so many questions yeah but that's like almost any food you take off the shelf or get from a drive-thru or whatever it's like highly processed with ingredients from probably like all seven continents I mean, who knows? There's not like transparent. We don't know where this food came from. Where oh, did this titanium come from? And so you're thinking that they're even getting stuff from Antarctica? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> With global warming, it's easier to colonize Antarctica. They're already making plans. Right. Like using penguin beaks or, or like drilling into the... Well, minerals. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, there, there could be anything in here. Um, and then they manufacture this thing in canada somewhere mm -hmm. like do you think they just like cleared this huge section of forest somewhere and there's this like big box warehouse sort of factory hidden in the woods and there they've like and then they have like these trucks coming day in and day out from you know uh, and flying in all these ingredients from the world just to make this one bar cookies and and 
cream bar. It could be. There's a lot of stuff uh, like Nutella. Mm -hmm. That's like another like weird ingredient product. It's made in Canada. And oh, it is. I yeah. Didn't know it was made in Canada. And like that's like for some reason it's weird how like everybody. I don't know if this would be considered a hipster thing or what, or a tr just a trendy thing, but why are these, like, it's a part nostalgia. It's like there's this whole industry in nostalgia. And so, like, you know, we both grew up at the same time period through, you know, um, the early 80s through the 90s. That was our upbringing. And so you look back in Nutella and Fritos and... I mean, you could probably think of other things, um, too. All these processed foods that we grew up with. For some reason, they're, like, showing up in high-end restaurants now. Like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to spread Nutella all over your, you know, locally farmed, you know, uh, organic whatever. And like, like, I don't understand why they're pulling out, like, these kitschy sort of manufactured fake foods and inserting them. It's like, remember when you had that as a child? Remember Tang? Wasn't that great, that horrible, diluted, like, granulated, strange thing that, you know, was sort of like orange juice but really didn't taste like orange juice? Now we're sprinkling it on your organic pop, you know, on your ice cream or whatever. Like, what is up with that? I don't know, but I was disturbed. Uh, Burger King has uh, Fruit Loops milkshakes. <laughs> Fruit Loops There's milkshakes? crushed Fruit Loops in a vanilla milkshake. That, I saw that. Hi. That was <laughs> apparently there's a market for it. That was disturbing. And then Taco uh, Bell has a Starburst. Yes, yeah, Starburst drink. flavored milkshakes. That that was disturbing. Well, uh, like, what there's, I mean, there's disturbing on so many levels. But one of the funny disturbing things for me is like, also the like, are we so lazy that we need somebody else to go to the store and buy Starburst? And grab them and jam them <laughs> in, a, in a in my pre-prepared fast food restaurant meal. You know, like yeah, like I can do that myself. I can just literally go to you know, the gas love, station, yeah. <laughs> buy some Starburst. You know, this milkshake's okay, but it, it really tastes better if I had Starburst in it. You know, like the fact that we pay extra or pay anything at all for somebody else to throw manufactured synthetic foods into our food is so strange to me. And then the Starburst, uh, they're supposed to be like, the flavor is supposed to resemble like different fruits. Same thing with the Fruit Loops. Right. Ostensibly, that's what fruit tastes like. <laughs> I suppose some kids probably don't know what real fruit tastes like at this point. And so they'd like to have this warped basis for comparison, right? Yeah. So I guess it makes sense if you've just been eating astronaut food your whole life. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? Astronaut. Food. Yeah, give me a, a starburst. Like, you know, all this space age food. Yeah, I guess uh, in a way astronauts are the guinea pigs for processed food, right? If, if they can consume up there and stay alive without gravity, then mm -hmm. we should probably start mass distributing to everybody else, right? Yeah, what is the bare minimum of food quality? That will keep a human alive just long enough to do whatever job they're supposed to do. Cookies and cream bar for yeah. Canada. The you know what I don't know if you ever hang out. There's um right near us off of uh, Jamboree and Chapman. There's a Taco Bell in the Albertson Center. This is in East Orange, by the way, for anybody who wants to visit. 
And I swear that this particular Taco Bell is like a test site for new products. And they, like, it seems like they come there first. And um, they always have the poster promoting the new meal. And I start, I, I should post some of these, but I started mm-hmm. taking photographs of each new poster because the product was just so weird. The name alone is weird. <laughs> You're like crunchy burritos or, or, or what was it? Ch- ch- what's the Chalupa one? It's like, like they're inserting like, uh-huh. hey, remember Chalupa from your school lunches? <laughs> And, re- and remember burritos? We're going to stuff a chalupa in your burrito, and then we're going to deep fry it, and then we're going to sprinkle it with tang or, or something like that. And <laughs> there's a, there was, like, I don't know, this is old now, but there was, like, um, uh, tacos that were made with, like, Doritos, you know, brand shells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's insane. Cool Ranch Dorito yeah, cool. taco shells. <laughs> It's just, it's amazing to me. Like, and I guess people, like, for me, it's funny and interesting mm-hmm. and, and everything to see these posters and stuff. But then, like, are most people excited? Like, oh, finally. Like, they took my favorite, you know, X snack food and mm-hmm. inserted it into my favorite Mexican food, you know, pseudo Mexican food. Have you seen any other, like, weird? Yeah, so actually, I, I'm still, I, I, I'm still in the process of doing research, but uh, apparently the dairy industry um, is so large in the United States. Culturally, we consume a lot of dairy and like cheese and stuff. And so uh, every year there's more cheese and there's more cheese than we can consume. And so if we believed in the free market system, then we would just produce less cheese. And then the price would be stable. All right. All right. But because they're so huge, they use their influence to lobby uh, Congress, the political system, for more dairy subsidies. So, so instead paid. of so they're getting paid to not make less milk, but to make more milk. So then they have this surplus of uh, milk, and a lot of it's processed into cheese or like a cheese-like product, so it can store for longer. And so there's been a surplus of cheese, like for the last couple of years. And in Europe, in, they're, they're having the same issue. And their dairy producers are also uh, like having this big thing. And so they're like, oh, well, let's dump this, this uh, milk and cheese. We'll dump it in Latin America, uh, Africa, wherever we can. And um, what do you mean by dump it? Well, like uh, sell it for less than it costs to produce. Oh, okay. And so they're putting uh, like local dairy producers out of business because we don't know what to do with our, get with our cheese. <laughs> yeah, so that's one harmful thing. Wow. And then a lot of people, especially in Asia, are lactose intolerant, um, and just culturally they don't they don't eat cheese. But apparently there are enough people who have the mutation of uh, prolonged lactase uh, production in China that uh, dairy sales in china has, has been on a an increase mm-hmm. it's gradual but china is such a huge place that that it's it's significant for european and american dairy producers huh. to import their their cheese in, into china and um anyway so one of the other things uh there's a there's a cheese surplus so there's uh subsidies for uh retail restaurants to change up their menu to include more cheese in their menu items 
And Taco Bell, I believe, is the number one recipient of these cheese subsidies. And so Taco Bell is getting paid to put like more cheese because the, the, they're buying cheese at a discount. And so they had they created new marketing campaigns and new menu items to incorporate more cheese into their menu items at a lower price. And so they uh, this year. And again, I'm, I haven't been like photographing their posters as diligently as <laughs> you, you but uh, they had the Quesarito uh, <laughs> the in the last year. And so that was one of their extra cheese items. And then they also had uh, stackers where you take multiple quesadillas uh -huh. with extra cheese and then you like cut them up and then put them in a stack. So it's like this like brick of like sliced quesadillas okay. in a stack. <laughs> And, and they're called stackers. So stackers. That, that was out this year. And then uh, like the Chaluparito or whatever, it had like all this like cheese in it. And uh, anyways, if you've ever produced farm, uh, if you've ever produced food on a farm, if you've ever like milked an animal, you know how much work it is. And you know how much uh, plants the, the animal has to eat to, to be able to produce the milk. And it's uh, like a, it's a high labor um, input to produce milk, and then it's also a lot of uh, calories, water uh, for the the cow to, to produce that, or the goat or sheep, whatever. So it's really high on the food scale. In nature, you wouldn't have a bunch like a a, a surplus of, of milk or cheese. Well, it, well, it's only meant to feed the young, the, and only for a period of time. Right, the offspring of of the parent. So. Well, I mean, you're taking it even like a a step back. Yeah, it's it's weird that we're like, consuming just, just, the milk of another made I, for and the I'm, and I'm not infant of another. That. Like I eat cheese and. and but even like cheese, milk, but... cheese like dairy cultures who've had dairy for thousands of years, like even they wouldn't be eating this much right. cheese yeah. or like milk. They there would be. There would be way less. It would be more of a of a delicacy. It's a strange situation that we've created, where there's right. This we've surplus. artificially yeah. uh, of... pumped all this cheese into our diet and society. And nobody's looking for more cheese. We're not necessarily interested in more cheese, but because the company doesn't want to adapt and make less, there's mm -hmm. this weird. Uh, modification of the market then like they, they we're getting coerced yeah. into eating more more cheese Coerced, that's a good word yeah yeah and, and taco bell is one of the um well they're getting a cost incentive to do it i guess right it's like a mob mentality i feel a mob is after me with milk mustaches and overbearing personalities <laughs> <laughs> perfect finale uh to trail mix so, uh, and this is a good segue. After we've consumed <laughs> all this extra cheese, we got to take a shit in the woods. So, I'm really curious, Scott. I, I know some of your shit in the woods stories, but uh -huh. um, what, what's one that sticks out in your mind that you want to share with everybody? Well, uh, I practice uh, hue manure. So I basically poop in a, a bucket and then put it, in a pile with other organic material and it turns into soil human manure or human manure for short and uh i wanted to really make the image more uh 
more uh, hip, more cool. And uh, so I'm like, you know, because I'm just uh, so prosperous, I can afford to have two composting toilets. <laughs> and sometimes I use both of them at the same time, just, just to show off. <laughs> oh, okay. And then so That's uh, impressive. I, I'm not quite sure <laughs> who would manage to poop. Do you like take turns poop in one bucket and then in the other, or or you can shoot in two different? There's a lot of one? stunts that I that I've been working on. <laughs> Do a flip from one bucket to the other. So I explain it in um, two compost toilets at the same damn time, <laughs> and so you could be sustainable and then also be be a stunner. You can you can show off. You could you could be a baller and impress people with your multitude of composting toilets and your uh, talent and using multiple receptacles at the same time. Save water, make soil at the same damn time. I got two compost toilets at the same damn time. Make soil, <laughs> save fishes at the same um, damn time. Okay, so <laughs> do you have any like specific instance where you, you proved your baller status um, in terms of... I, I suppose you can take your bucket anywhere, so you don't even have to poop in the woods. I mean, the uh -huh. advantage of doing the human manure approach with uh -huh. a bucket and a compost pile is that you can literally do it in your own yard, right? So that's uh -huh. not really in the woods per se, I guess. Uh -huh. But um, I, di I did take uh, both of my dual composting toilets, and I took them on the road with me uh, for this concert that I did. And as part of the performance, I demonstrated how to use both at the same damn time and um anyways there's a photograph of me doing the demonstration on stage uh while holding a microphone and uh if you want to check out scott celtic knot on soundcloud you could see a photograph of me uh demonstrating use of both at the same damn time wait, wait, wait a second so you actually pooped in both on stage or somewhere well the containers aren't um transparent so you can't really see like what is in the containers yeah. or what may or may not be collected okay. in the containers lifetime. And uh, I want to keep a certain level of uh, privacy and, and mystery. So I, I may or may not have actually made a deposit in the containers <laughs> during my performance, but I certainly had enough time to do it. Okay. Well, speaking of deposits, I want to dig a little deeper here. Um, without the aid of the buckets, uh -huh. in a natural setting, or in a yeah. setting that's not been developed with drag domes or whatever, um, is there any story that comes to mind where you gave the gift of your fertilizer to to the shrubbery or, the, or a, an oak tree or something like that that pops into your head? Where you... Uh. Well, I usually um, dig a little hole and then uh, cover up number two, just because um, for sanitary reasons. Well, so, yeah. I mean, you could go wherever, but as a practice, I like to, to bury it. Well, nobody Num wants to step in somebody yeah. else's. Yeah. yeah, and you don't want flies. Part of the, the, the composting toilet is uh, you use sawdust right. or leaf litter or something. So it, it's covered, so you don't have flies traveling freely from the like a latrine to humans and back and forth, which is why it has 
like latrines have been a problem like in the american civil war in the mexican-american war more people died of disease than combat because of like in large part the how they were dealing with their with their waste um, but it's not waste if you don't waste it if you organize it and then uh, use it for soil but if you're in a wild area um, you could pretty much leave it wherever please yeah. please bury it well and the ecosystem will take care of the rest right yeah and, and all the plants get the benefit was there was there ever a time recently where you were in a in like either in the desert or in the mountains or somewhere where you were doing the doing the deed and and maybe something happened like i remember one time i was squatting uh i got i'm so used to shitting in the woods that i i try i avoid like public restrooms and uh, like the plague and and we were on a road trip going through cambria I was like, oh, I got to take a crap really bad. And so I pulled off uh, uh, into this neighborhood and I knew there was this little preserve there that had like pines at the upper end and some scrub and grassland going down to the coast. And so I parked it near the trailhead and um, my family didn't have to go. So they just hung out in the car and I ran on up this trail and went up into this pine forest. And I like, I had to go so bad. Like it's like, it's crowning as I'm walking. Like I was hard to get to the site um but it was so worth it because you know i have this beautiful view of the pines and of the ocean and everything um and ferns and stuff uh and when i'm squatting and going these deer literally just walk you know i'm in i'm in a position where i can't attack an animal so i i and i don't know if the deer knew that but they were felt so comfortable and they just walked right in front of me as i was taking a, a big dump right in a hole you know in the ground so and that was like one of the best shitting in the woods experiences I've had. So hmm. did, did you have anything like memorable like that? Um, Hmm. All right. I have this, I have one story. It's not, it's, it's not as good as your story, but, uh, so last October I was at a campsite with our mutual friend, Kirk. Yeah. And, uh, so I woke up and then, um, uh, I made a small, uh, cooking fire in the fire ring and uh i've made a pot of coffee and i was having my breakfast and then uh i i had to uh relieve myself um and there were porta potties at the campground but uh the porta potties i mean i have a, this whole other project exposing how porta potties are not sustainable plus they're unpleasant to use um, so anyways, I decided to go into the, uh, in the trees off to the side. And, um, so I left and then, uh, I went off on this trail and I found a, a secluded spot, semi secluded spot, dug a little hole and, uh, did what I had to do, covered it up and it was really nice and scenic. It was in the San Bernardino mountains and it, there were some, uh, scrub oaks in the area that where we were and um so anyways i walked back down the hill and then uh, kirk had put out the fire and then he's like oh like i'm kind of nervous the fire it was like basically unattended like you strayed so far uh 
with your humanure uh, hike yeah. that I felt like it was dangerous. You want to start a wildfire. Yeah. That was his concern. Yeah, so he put the fire out. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think, I thought it was just going to be like a quick thing. Yeah. But anyways, he was concerned. So just to be on the safe side. That's it? Yeah. That's <laughs> the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's... I told you it wasn't yeah. a very good story. <laughs> but you remember that. That's the last well, like specific thing. It's just something that happens every day. It's not like a like I have like stories about it. I think that's a good point. This, you know, as, as much as that beer experience was exciting for me, most of the time it's just getting business done, right? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't really have any like stories. You're going to have to you have to eat a whole lot of cheese and then <laughs> go out and come up with a better story than that <laughs> I'm just i mean some you. sometimes if i'm out in the town oops sorry and then i'll like i'll feel like i have to go like i'll hold it until i can get home because i feel like i'm gonna waste it oh so sometimes i'm like physically uncomfortable like holding it trying to get home you don't want you don't want your what do you mean by that that this is this is interesting to me so i want to uh -huh. hear a little more you don't want to waste it what do you What's that mean? So there's just like pounds of material. Right. I don't know, maybe like one pound produced, and it would just get mixed with potable water, and it would go to some centralized facility and, and be processed. Valley, right? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, and um, I feel that's very wasteful. It's a lot of energy to pump the fluids all over the place, and then. Um, it, it would be lost like it wouldn't be of any use if it's in my home then it's i'm not going to waste any water and then all of that material is going to turn into soil and it's going to go into an actual active garden it's not just going to go down the drains i love that i love that you're concerned about that stuff i i feel the same way well um i was uh enough talk about shit so um now, uh, you know, I think we really covered no escape, uh, our segment, no escape. Um, my whole life is no escape. <laughs> That's right. So we don't have to go further down that road. Um, so I'll skip that segment since our whole podcast has been no escape, um, as a theme. Um, but deep green thoughts is the next segment. Deep green thoughts. Uh, let's see this winter. I went to the Ash Meadows, uh, I think it's Ash Meadows Wildlife Reserve, I think. And I think it's the only one or one of the few wildlife reserves that is run by the Fish and Game uh, Department. And there's this uh, endangered pupfish, which occurs in these like uh, largely underground uh, springs in the Mojave Desert. And it's um, it's just on the Nevada side of uh, Death Valley, between Death Valley and, and Las Vegas. And it's this park. You can't camp there, but it's free to visit during the day. There's trails and um, uh, the visitor center. And um, there's these springs. 
where water, water, you could see water just like bubbling up from the surface. And apparently, apparently these fish, fish were almost extinct like in the 770s because, because of excessive groundwater pumping. And these fish, and these fish live mostly underground. And they're only, and like, they're like, only like an inch or two long. These, these, uh, these uh, pup fish. fish. And there's a couple, there's a couple species, species of fish. fish. And they only occur in that valley. And they're named after the leather leaf ash. The leather leaf velvet ash tree that occurs there. And, and uh, most of the valley was like alfalfa farms. It's ash meadow. Ash meadows because there's these ash trees. And anyways, I thought it, I had a good experience. It's unfortunate the level of degradation, like this whole like species of fish was almost, it was at the brink of extinction before they had to stop uh, pumping the groundwater so excessively and um, so because they can't pump out the groundwater so excessively that kind of halted development like in the area so uh, most of the area is pristine mm -hmm. around the the ash meadows preserve and so it's a it's a nice place to visit if you like um, open spaces and um, we went during the the winter which when it was nice and cool, mm -hmm. um, so it was a good time to visit. Yeah, I would recommend. Yeah, it sounds unique. I, like, is it physically being there? I'm imagining these springs underground. I'm imagining mm -hmm. these meadows with all these ash trees. Ash trees are a beautiful tree. Mm -hmm. um, was it, what what struck you about it physically, like being there? Um, well, it's a pretty dry area, mm -hmm. and it's um like uh, creosote flats. And then there's these little areas, these uh, oases, where you'll see cottonwood and the uh, ash trees and uh, mesquites. And so you know there's water mm. in, in different spots. And then um, it's just in different, like it like, looks like random, like randomly around the valley. Mm. And then um, you get to some of these places and then there's like this uh, like lake in the middle of the valley and uh that's kind of surprising to see a lake and it's just through water pressure it's like magic water is pumping out of the desert and there's this huge lake wow and there's these fish in it could you see the fish yeah you can see oh, wow. some of the fish because some of the trails have you uh uh like right with where like the water mm -hmm. is, is flowing and then some of the uh, fish are there's literally it looks like a prison like where they're, they're coming, there's, it's at the foot of this uh, mountain and there's these like rocks and then uh, there's water. You look down in and then there's water and oh. then there's the pupfish in there. And then it's, again, it looks like a prison. What do you, they, they have like, like a fence around it and these like, this oh, like bridge across this to like prevent people from creek, like, um, contaminating the fish. The fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're a barrier, a human made barrier. Right, yeah, so yeah. part of it is like fenced off. Mm -hmm. You can get close to it but and you're see still it. Able to see the fish. Yeah. yeah. So, but there's like security cameras and like barbed wire oh. fence and stuff. That sounds like one of the turnoffs, I would imagine. I suppose. Yeah, but I know people will mess it. with the fish. Right. Like if if it was, I mean, I was. The trade off. At least, they're concerned about the fish, as it's opposed good to, know to that they, yeah right to like 
an actual prison where there's like people trapped <laughs> inside, that would have been unpleasant. Yeah, so. they're just making sure the habitat doesn't get degraded any further by those who don't understand, I suppose, right? Yeah, so that's so part of the park. But then most of the park, it the stream is accessible and there's fish in there. You oh, can okay. see the fish and you can interact directly with oh. them. Wow. And, and there's and like shade like, trees and rocks. Would you say this is like one of the rarest fish in the world? Sounds yeah. Like it. Yeah, it is. And they, um, yeah, they occur in spots in the Mojave Desert, but it's so, like before colonization, it was like a very rare fish that was like barely hanging on. That's amazing. And so now with excessive groundwater pumping and Las Vegas and Laughlin and all these other mirages, uh, sucking water. So the, the fish have become extinct. In, in a lot of their, their historic uh, habitat mm -hmm. because the water has just been pumped out of the ground so they just went extinct in those areas. It's amazing there's any left. Right, right. That's, that's really cool. Uh, it's cool that you got to see. Yeah. I, so, I haven't been there. I so I would recommend there. people yeah. visiting it. I spent the whole day there. Uh, it's closed at night, mm -hmm. but uh, I mean, you could spend days there. It's a big area. Um, it's also a, a cultural site. It's a Paiute cultural site. Oh, wow. And they used to, people from uh, Pahrump, which is kind of uh, north of there, mm -hmm. and then people from uh, south of it, um, I guess like more Death Valley area, they used to meet there seasonally. And that was a ceremonial gathering place. And you had fresh water. And then um, there's uh, Morteros. Another archaeological evidence you can see oh, wow. when you when you go there, and they used to harvest the uh, the mesquite beans and um, and other foods that occurred there. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds amazing. And, uh, so yeah, I I like that they put the in the in the exhibit mm -hmm. they put the voices of the indigenous people there too as as part of the history. Oh, in the center, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Wow, I, I'm, I'm just visualizing everything mm -hmm. that you're saying. It sounds definitely worth the trip. I Ash this. Meadows. Ash Meadows. In Nevada. Okay. Well, check that out. Look it up on the internet. So, Scott, thank you so much for being my second guest on Barefoot and Bearded. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dochen Vaur. Oh, nice. That's a thank you very much in Welsh, a language we're both learning together uh, and um, did, I, did you have anything else to say uh, about what you're doing or any announcements whatever yeah so uh, be on the lookout for the Scotta Chronicon coming out scottcelticnod.com check me out at YouTube Spotify all the social media alright I will do that as well and I hope all of you listeners will do that we are signing off Again, thank you for listening, and we have more guests lined up for future episodes, so please stay tuned. Subscribe to our SoundCloud if you aren't already. All right. Take care, everybody. Hoyle. I'm burning in hell. The postman is the devil, eternally roaring hurling new bundles of letters as I Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut A red plum's a tree, they the opposite, they killed them They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut
the rent plums are treated the opposite, they kill them We set them in the sawmill to pump out the junk mail Every day they bring it underneath their arm like a lunch pail Black and white, fluffy, nasty, musty like a skunk tail I don't wanna buy your products, dummy, why you dump mail? Shout it out with a voice from hell OC saver, you should save paper Stop throwing trash at me and my neighbors Launching products, mailboxes, looking like artillery rockets Post office goddesses, military targets Colossal stacks of junk mail like strawberry waffles Ain't seen so much garbage since I went to McDonald's Cacophony, a cock, a blah, blah, always off topic A monument to death, call a mailbox a coffin Apocalyptic logging, hocking, holiday shopping Logic of profits, obnoxious, glossy pollution I got enough junk mail here to stuff a futon Better cut it out, I ain't talking about the coupons Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut A red plum's a tree, they the opposite, they killed them They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut Red plum's a tree, they the opposite, they killed them They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail Soon as I get it, I rip it, cause I ain't down with it And I'm offended, they level the forest down a little splinters And then deliver the litter to my crib in a letter And then I try to send the crap back Return it to center But then they said There was no trash bags Or corporate agenda So then I sent it To the landfill Stupid and reckless Next day they ran it again Like the dentist The menace A consistent waste of time Waste of linen They ignore improper use Of the US postal system And they make so much trash Like every day is Christmas Really none of that business Is really none of my business So why they sending that business To my business and residence Then in the middle Of unsolicited Little it Then we figured These silly dribbling idiots To get their mitts on a printer And indiscriminately Inconsiderately Belligerently, deliberately, deliver the literature, deliberately millions, and that's ridiculous. Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum. They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut. Red plums are tree, they the opposite, they killed them. They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail. Junk mail is junk mail, red plum is red rum. They sent me some 10,000 pages of red nut. A red plum's a tree, they the opposite, they killed them. They sent them to the sawmill to pump out the junk mail. Trash stacked up about the height of Mount Everest. Time to stop the printing. Like the Spanish Inquisition And put him to the question Get a written confession Give him a proper sentence For every single sentence That they ever sent To anybody's residence ever And restore every forest Left torn and embezzled I could have sworn These conquistadores Had a death wish Artists had a death wish They have a death wish Go and take us with us So we mountain defenses Check it Mountain defenses Logging roads Messed up and dug in the trenches Got terrestrial henchmen Relentless mountain fences Prehensile Like they had a monkey's appendix Slapping 10 pound bags of selected monkey wrenches Monkey wrench, get the message Monkey business, the medium is the message throw away a car, you wouldn't throw away a handbag, you wouldn't throw away a goat, you wouldn't throw away a TV, you wouldn't throw away a baby, you wouldn't throw away a movie, you wouldn't throw away a dozen donuts, then why would you throw away a banana peel? A banana peel could be fed to a chicken which produces manure, which can be composted into soil to fertilize the garden. A banana peel could be fed to a rabbit, 
which produces manure, which can be composted and turned into soil to fertilize the garden. A banana peel could be fed to a goat, which produces manure, which can be composted into soil to fertilize the garden. A banana peel could be composted directly and thus used to fertilize the soil. The soil is the basis for all life on the planet. If you ain't got compost, you ain't you got, got nothing. Hey Scott, what time is it? Time, 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 time